Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. Let's make our way back to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12 tonight. Mark chapter 12 and the first 12 verses of Mark chapter 12. This is the parable of the wicked husbandmen. The master of the land went out, left it in charge of the husbandmen, and they just made a mess of things. And so, how are we going to get service out of this? Well, what we're going to look at are seven characteristics of God, which, of course, is going to be pictured by the landowner, the man, the certain man who planted the vineyard. What we're looking at, since we're emphasizing service through the Gospel of Mark, we need to be Christ-like or God-like. So the servant and his Christ-likeness. We want to emulate these characteristics of God. Mark chapter 12, verse 1, And he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard, and set an hedge about it, and digged a place for the wine fat, and built a tower, and led it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husbandmen a certain servant, that he might perceive or receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. They caught him, beat him, sent him away empty, and again he sent unto them another servant, and at him they cast stones, and wounded him in the head, and sent him away, shamefully handled him. Again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Having yet therefore one son, his beloved his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him, killed him, cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. And have ye not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected he is become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. Seven characteristics of God, pictured by this landowner, this man who planted the vineyard. Number one, God is generous. Notice the vineyard uh, the planter, he planted the vineyard, he set an hedge about it, he digged a place for it, he uh, digged a place for the, for the wine fat, and he built a tower. He made everything possible for this vineyard to be productive. It's a picture of what God has done for us as his creatures. He's made everything possible for us to be fruitful, 
to be a blessing to him. God is generous. God gives everything that is needed. Now you will notice there are uh, several things that he does. He hedged it about. The hedge would be like a fence row, but uh, made out of bushes or trees or whatever, and would help to protect or guard the vineyard, keeping some of the animals out, and would be, you know, a promotion toward the growth of the vineyard. He digged a wine fat, we would call it a wine press, a place possibly carved out in the stone, where they could take the grapes from the vineyard and uh, tramp them or press them could include an actual, not just the place where they would tramp them with their feet, although that's the picture that we find in the Old Testament, could possibly have been a place where the grapes are actually pressed. You've probably seen around here in this area some of the museums that have cider presses, presses where they press the apples. And you can do that, of course, with just about any fruit and make a juice out of it. So it could be uh, the wine fat could also maybe refer to, you know, the, the machinery that's used. The idea is God is giving the equipment to do whatever it is that he wants us to do. When I was with Child Evangelism Fellowship, we had to memorize Robert Ketchum now that God never asked any man or any woman to be or do anything without giving that man or woman the power and provision to be or do that thing. God gives us the equipment to do what we ought to do. When God calls us to do something, he gives us the equipment to do it. He calls a man to preach, he gives him the ability to preach. Even though he doesn't have the natural ability to do it, God equips him with the means to get the job done. And then it says that he built a tower. The tower would be some kind of a watchtower, I forget, but it's an elevated place where they can watch for different things. So it has to do with guarding and protecting the vineyard from thieves, perhaps even wild animals. So the tower would stand for God's assurance and security, God taking care of us. God does all of those things. So we look at this vineyard, and everybody has, by application, a vineyard, or a place, a part of a vineyard at least, in which to work. God is generous to every man. Now, you know, we have the tendency to look at another man's vineyard, right? And it's bigger than mine. It's set on a hillside different from my place and we look at another person's vineyard and we say God is not fair. But we discover when we study scriptures that God has given every man a place in the world and the space in it to do whatever it is that God wants him to do. God has hedged us. He has put to protections. So the Lord gives us the protection like a man planting a vineyard would put a hedge around it to give that protection. And the idea is for assuming that there was growth. Let's go to John chapter 15. And in John 15, of course, we have Jesus' parable of the vineyard. The parable, I'm the true vine, my father's the husbandman, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Notice the emphasis is on fruit. You plant a vineyard, 
in order to get fruit. You don't just plant the vineyard so that it looks pretty. You plant it for the purpose of producing fruit. So God has a plan of his believers producing fruit. We're to be fruitful. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. I think it was the Puritans that talked about the plan of God, the purpose and design of God, is for all men to give him glory. Well, here we are. We give glory here, and is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. Now there's fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Again, we look at each other's vineyards and, uh, okay, well, that one should be able to produce more than this one because of certain things, whatever's going on there, and we get sometimes jealous about that. Not everybody has the same vineyard. Not everybody produces the same amount of fruit. The same is true in farming. A farmer could be across the field, across the road from another farmer and have a field that's producing and one that's not producing like when we planted tomatoes in New Jersey. Our neighbor knew how to plant tomatoes. He got a wonderful, beautiful crop. We planted right next to him and got a horrible crop. Spots and all kinds of things on our tomatoes. He didn't have one with spots on. So it is in Christianity. Not everybody has the same fruit, but we got to have fruit. And the fruit is measured, I think, in, in a number of ways, the winning of souls plus any number of things. So God has made it possible... For he's been generous to every man, giving him a space in the world to produce the fruit, hedged him about, we're talking about Christians especially, that he might produce the fruit. While you're in John 15, look at verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So our goal is to glorify God, and one of, ways, one of the ways we do that is to be fruitful. And then we find that God gives all of his followers the gifts, the equipment that they need to carry out whatever task it is that we have to do on the earth, because God never asked anybody to do anything without giving them the provision to do it. You know, it would be like a country sending a man out as a soldier for the country. Go, fight this battle. We're not going to give you any equipment. We're not going to give you any uniform or any helmet or any uh, ammunition or any guns or any, any artillery at all. You go fight the battle. Well, that would be stupid. God never asked us to do anything without giving us the equipment. You know, it's kind of a dumb thing for us to respond like so many did in the Bible. God asks them to do, I can't do that. If God calls you to do it, you can. Because he equips you to do it. And so he gives us the space and he equips us to do it. God gives us the gifts that are available for him. Again, everybody has different gifts. So, you know, what you're accomplishing may be different than what I'm accomplishing. But we need to accomplish whatever it is that God has 
for us. And then, of course, he also gives the assurance and security for his care. So he hedges this vineyard about. He, uh, he gives it the place for the wine fat, and he built the tower. Okay? Gives everything God is generous to give us exactly what we need to get the job accomplished. Second thing we notice about this vineyard owner, picture of God, God is trusting. The second part of verse 1 says, and he let it out to husbandmen and he went into a far country. God is trusting. That means he gives responsibility and freedom to govern this life. So God entrusts his vineyard to the vineyard keepers, to the cultivators, to what's called here in the text, the husbandmen. Now, in the text, he's probably referring to the nation of Israel. The Jews recognized, in verse 12, they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. So, it's, uh, it, was, it was obvious. Now, we can apply it to whomever. Any of God's people or any of God's creatures, for that matter, could be an application here. God gives us, generously gives us what we need, and God entrusts us with the responsibility and the freedom to do what it is that God wants us to do. You talk about God trusting man to do this. This is a glorious privilege that we have, to be entrusted by God. Paul mentioned that when he's talking about his apostleship. I don't think he uses the word entrust, but something to that effect anyway. He's just marveling that God entrusted him with this responsibility of being an apostle. It's an awesome responsibility. And if you think about anything that we're doing, any kind of vine dresser or husbandman, whatever position it is, no matter how small or how large the vineyard, it's an awesome responsibility. It's a great privilege to be entrusted by God to do the work. The vineyard is important to God. We don't know who this certain man is, this certain man who had the uh, vineyard, but he's just simply called a certain man. In one way you read this, and it may sound like he doesn't really care about the vineyard. He's maybe so rich that he just has maybe oodles of vineyards, and uh, it doesn't matter. But I think that's not really what's being taught here, that this man is. Yes, he's going into a far country, but he's concerned about his vineyard. And so he entrusts it to the husbandmen. And he goes on his way, not on vacation, but on his duty to a far country. So the Lord, the Lord is very concerned about his vineyard. The vineyard would be the world, right? Just like Jesus gave the parable of the wheat and the grain, the field is the world. So we could say it this way, the vineyard is the world. We all have a place to play in the vineyard, and the Lord entrusts the vineyard to the care of human beings. And he does it to human beings and not to angels. He could have done that to angels. The Lord is concerned about his vineyard, and he trusts it to man. And then he gives this man, this husbandman, the freedom to do what needs to be done to the vineyard. And everybody in that day, because the vineyard were so prevalent, knew essentially what was responsible to happen in the vineyard. And so God is giving this, granting this responsibility to us, just like this man who owns the vineyard. He doesn't necessarily sit down with the husbandman and say, now here, 
Here's a list of what I want you to do every day. And I want you to give me a report weekly or monthly or whatever. We don't read anything about that. This man, this husbandman, is free to do the work the way the owner would want it done, yes. But there's a freedom there. So God left the care of the vineyard in the hands of the husbandman, and so he could basically do what he wanted. If it was a large enough vineyard, hire other workers, you know, have the freedom to exercise his own will, to make his own choices, to drive the care of the vineyard, possibly even to purchase other plots, you know, and expand the vineyard. So there's freedom there, a glorious privilege to do that. I think that's true with us as well. Yes, God equips us to do the work, but he expects us to act not independent of the Lord. When we talk about freedom, you know, he's not, in other words, he's not breathing down our necks. He's there, right? But he doesn't give us the feeling of being oppressed but free to do whatever it is. It, it comes out of the what we refer to as the dominion principle back in Genesis chapter 1 when God created man in his own image and blessed him and said to him, be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. It was a freedom that man was supposed to cultivate. So I think this husband in the same way. If he needed to go to horticultural classes to learn how to take care of the vineyard or how to take care of it in a modern world with new technology, they wouldn't have had that in Bible times, but, you know, to, then he's going to do that to enhance the ministry, freedom to develop the vineyard as God would have him do so. Psalm 8 is a wonderful psalm. In verse 6, he's talking about Lord, the Lord being the creator and But in verse 6 it says, Thou madest him, madest man, to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Now, those verses, Genesis and Psalm, are talking about creation. But the principle is there with the things of the Lord as well. God only created the world, but he created Christianity and the New Testament local church which we live in and work in today. And so part of God's vineyard work is with the local church and that we all should have a part in it, and we all should have the freedom to develop a ministry within the local church to do what God expects us to do. Live in glory to God to be fruitful. So God is trusting. Number three, God is exacting. Let's go back to Mark chapter 12. Man planted the vineyard, he hedged it, he digged it, He built the tower, then he let it out to the husbandman, and he went into a far country. Now verse 2. And at the season, we're assuming we're talking about the harvest season, the time of harvest. At the season, he sent to the husbandman a servant that he might receive from the husbandman of the fruit of the vineyard. So God is exacting. He expects a payment. He expects something to be done. What are we paying for his work? Vineyard owner is a businessman. He holds the men he hires to be accountable. So does God. God is holding us accountable for what we do. 
And so he sent messengers, they called the servant here, to gather the fruits of his vineyard. I think that time is coming when we're going to have to give an account of our fruit. I think the Lord is keeping record of all of that as well. And you and I really, I've discovered at least in my life, I'm not sure what fruit I have been producing in all of my life and all of my ministry. I'm glad for reports here and there about things, but I'm not even sure where it is. Maybe it's because I'm not as good a steward as I ought to be, but I think you're probably the same way. Because how do we measure fruit? We can do that with a vineyard. We can count the number of grapes or the number of quarts of grape juice that we get from the produce of the vineyard or whatever we're producing you know, physically. But how do you measure spiritual growth? And so we've had the tendency to measure that in things visible. Things visible in the ministry may or may not give us an indication of what kind of fruit. You know, it's not that I'm not concerned about that, but I've gotten to the place where, hopefully at least, I'm letting that up to the Lord to measure that, to take care of that. Now, you know, in a business, this this husbandman should really be a good businessman and take record of that. How many, I don't know how they measure grapes, by poundage or what, but, you know, and, and uh, you know, how many quarts or whatever uh, measurement of liquid they're, they're doing. Did we produce this year? You know, how much uh, acreage are we uh, utilizing? And, you know, they, they keep records of all of that. Well, the Lord is doing that. In this case, the vine owner went away and he doesn't have access to that information. God does have access to that information. And he's keeping better records of that than you and I might keep of those things. So, he sends the messengers. And there's a series of messengers that are sent. Let's read these verses again. Verse 2, he sent the first servant. And it says, verse 3, they caught him, they beat him, They sent him away empty. Didn't send him anything. We're not going to send the owner anything. Kind of sounds strange to me, but must be some greedy husbandmen here. And so again, he sent them another servant. And at him, they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, another. And him they killed and many others, beating some and killing some. Now, this is a parable in relation to the nation of Israel, then the servants that are being sent are no doubt the judges, the kings, the priests, and the various prophets that God sent along the way to help Israel be the spiritual people they ought to be, the fruitful people they should be. Israel would be the husbandman. God would be the vine owner, the vineyard owner. And the various servants would be the judges, the kings, the priests, the prophets. And of course we learn from the history of Israel, some of the judges were good, uh, some of them were bad, kings good, some bad, prophets and priests, some good, some bad. And so God sent them to give an account and call Israel to record about what they were to be doing. Now notice some things about this. What was God expecting? Fruit was expected. Every husbandman was to produce fruit. And you could multiply this parable to all the vineyards in the world. Okay? And God expects 
fruit from every vineyard. There was also a day of accountability. Again, God knows when that's going to be. And, and, and I don't think, this is my personal opinion about this, I don't think we need to be stressed about the day of accountability. Just faithfully do the job that God wants you to do. And I don't know, I've never taken care of a vineyard, but I would assume it's a lot like life. What did Solomon say in the book of Ecclesiastes? Vanity of vanities. Yeah? You go to bed at night, you get up in the morning, you eat your breakfast, you go to work, you do whatever it is that you do to take care of the vineyard. You eat your supper, you go to bed at night, you get up in the morning, you get, you know eat your breakfast, do whatever you need to do to take care of the vineyard. You go to eat your supper, you go to bed at night, you get up in the morning. Vanity of vanities. Just be faithful doing the things that you know you ought to be doing. And every once in a while, there's a new assignment that comes along, right? So you, you know, go to bed at night, you get up in the morning, you eat your breakfast, and now you have a new assignment that you have to do, in addition to taking care of the vineyard, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. That's the way life is. That's the way the Christian experience is. But you keep on doing the things that you know that you are to do. Being faithful. So when we're faithful, I don't think we need to fear the matter of accountability. You know, at work, periodically we have employee evaluations. You know, are you doing the job right? We all want to know that we're doing the job right, right? So it's good to have those reports. I don't know that the Lord gives us those uh, except through other people periodically. But if we're faithful, you know, doing the things we ought to do and accountable to the Lord, you see, ultimately it's that vine dresser that's away in the far country to whom we're accountable. And so be faithful doing the things. Now, notice that this happened again, and again, and again, and again. So we're going to pull another principle out here. God is patient. God is patient. He sent messengers to receive the payment, and God does that throughout the history of Israel. Hundreds of years that God is working with the nation of Israel. See, God is long-suffering. He's a patient God. He works with, and notice what they did. They beat them. They gave no fruit to them. They cast stones at some. They wounded some. They shamefully handled uh, some others. Killed some of them. Beat others. And the Lord just kept on sending messengers. And then uh, notice also, we didn't read this far yet, but verse number 6. Having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my Son. And you think about that with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So God is love. God is patient, number four. Number five, God is love. God sent His own Son. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. We ought to cultivate these characteristics of God. Number six, God is just. Verse 9. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. You see, people want to recognize that God is a God of love. But they don't want to recognize that God is also a God of justice. i got one more. Number 7. God is trustworthy. The text, verse 
10. And have ye not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Christ is that cornerstone. The Lord is that first stone that is laid. And then everything else comes after him. We want to be faithful servants who are like God. We need to be generous like God. We need to be trusting. We need to be exacting. There's a time when we need to call people in account. We also need to be patient, like God is patient. We need to be people of love. God is love. We need to be people who are just and fair. God is just. And we need to be trustworthy, like God is trustworthy. So the servant and his Christ-likeness, his God-likeness, how are we like God? We need to be like this vine owner who is like God. This is Dr. Lee Hennies, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached at church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. Thank you.